0: Okay, Power Rangers, let's do it! Go, go, Power Rangers! <laughs> jet-on, jet-on, let's go, oh, jet-on,
1: jet-on, Welcome to the Super Sentai Brothers. This is episode 19 of The Jetman with a Golden Gum, the internet's best and only podcast dedicated to Chojin Sentai Jetman. Every week we watch an episode of the show and we share our thoughts with you, the listeners. My name is Matt J. With me as always is my co-host and brother Dave. Dave, how you doing today? Oh, can't complain. Alrighty. Uh, Today, Dave, (laughs) we are watching an episode uh, with a much less ominous title than last week. Uh, Episode 19 is just called We Can... I'm sorry, I Can See. Uh, But before we get into Uh, that, Dave...
0: Eyeball? Eyeball Monster? I'm going with Eyeball Monster. We'll find out if uh, I'm right later.
1: Well, you're not right. It is... Uh, It is one of the characters who can see something. It's a a strangely titled episode, but it's, as I recall, a good one. But we will see whether or not I am right.
0: Well, yeah, I will see. I can see Uh, how you're right or not. I don't know. Uh,
1: That one got away from me. It's bound to be less intense than the last (laughs) week's. Um, Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, So, Dave. I feel
0: like it would be tough to be more intense than last episode. Yeah, when one of the it characters was doozy. died
1: and came back to life. Yeah, yeah, that one. Anyway, uh, but you've already heard that, theoretically, because you've already heard last week's <laughs> episode, so we don't need to talk about it anymore. Let's talk about this week's episode, but before we do, Dave, Shining in the Heavens, there are five stars. And would you like to know what our first star of the week is? Uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yes, I would. I would like to know what our first star of the week is, Matt. Okay, Dave. Me. Uh,
1: well, so it's it's good news and bad news. Okay. So the good news is that I got a new job, which is great. Right. Uh, I start. No, that is awesome. Yeah, I start on Monday. Uh, when you hear this episode, I will, assuming you hear it on the day it comes out, uh, I, it'll be like my second day of the new job. I'm very much looking forward to it because my last job was like a limited term contract that was coming to a close. And so right. that was causing me no small degree of uh, personal stress and anxiety. <laughs>
0: Uh, yeah, that's no, that's uh, that's awesome, dude. That you've that that is the case now. So
1: that is the good news. The bad news, Dave, is that bad news. The new job is uh, not on my current commute route, and I'm gonna have to start driving to work, and that means that this. Oh no! Sadly, is the final. <laughs> Updates
0: oh, Dang, like, I'm excited about the new job, Matt, but I gotta be, I'm bummed out I know, it was it's, it's a good, the death of
1: a beloved segment, Dave or a, Right, a mini it was segment, a good a recurring
0: bit But I assume you have at least one final bus update
1: uh, well, I can tell you that I am glad, I'm a little glad to be getting out of the bus update game because in the last week and a half, they have uh-huh. started running co- like commercials over the PA on the bus. Oh. But what's funny is that like they haven't sold all the commercial space yet. And so what's been happening is that a commercial will come on and it's just like an announcement from a cheery-sounding guy with, like, a bad musical background telling you, like, hi, like, we're here to, like, run ads on the bus. Like, we're going to be looking forward to riding the bus with you in the morning. And it's like, oh, no. No, 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 no. I do not no, no, need no, no, this. No, no. I don't need your commercials, so... and I don't need your commercials for commercials.
0: So it's advertising for advertising. It is advertising for right?
1: advertising. So uh, well... it, is, it is a good thing <laughs> that I'm going to be in my car soon.
0: Yeah, no, that's you don't you don't need that unless the tickets were cheaper. Are they making the tickets cheaper?
1: Oh, good heavens, no.
0: Yeah. Oh well, then yeah, forget that. Uh, my wife. That's a very weird thing to me. Like when you get into like uh, recursive, like recursive work loops. Yeah. Because like my wife works in marketing, but the marketing firm that she works for, of course, you know, they got to do marketing. So I asked her. I was like. Who do you, do you guys, I assume you guys just do your own marketing, your marketing firm, but like, do you, do you treat yourselves like a client? And how does that, Yeah, like, no, how that does is, that
1: work? Once you're like that deep in, I just completely lose track of how it is supposed to function. Uh,
0: <laughs> according to her, just kind of like, just like everybody does a little bit. Okay. It's just like, hey. Do a little bit of, like, side marketing for the so firm like that you side already work, it's work like for. It's like if you're
1: a waiter at the end of your shift, you have to roll silverware. If you are a marketing firm at the end of your shift, yeah, you have exactly. to just do a little side marketing. Just sneak it in there.
0: Right. little... Right.
1: <laughs> okay, Dave. So, <laughs> uh, what?
0: Um, yeah, well, it's a shame that we won't have any more bus updates. But again, congratulations well, thank you. on, thank uh, you very on much. the new job, man. That's awesome. Uh,
1: speaking of jobs, though, Dave, do you want to tell me about our second star of the week?
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, second start of the week is uh you know so I'm in a meeting with some other teachers and we're like talking about blah 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 right we're just talking about some stuff right and uh, and at the end of the meeting because teach i don't know if you know this a lot of teachers are like very intense about like keeping on schedule for meetings and like when the meeting time is over like i have seen teachers just like like yeah time's up i'm leaving and they just walk out in the middle of a meeting uh, i think it's actually kind of hilarious but so <laughs> in this meeting and uh one of my one of my fellow teachers, a guy named Nathan, uh, his phone goes off and it is the uh the old like Power Rangers alert, like the dee dee de- dee de- dee dee okay. dee that everybody's things would do, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it caught my ear. I pricked up. And I turned I said, Nate, is that like is that the Power Rangers thing? And he said, Yeah it is. Like as though he were like, like, like slightly right about, about it. Ashamed. Yeah, which makes no sense because Nate also runs the anime club at our school, so like everybody knows. Like Nate, we know, we got it right. And <laughs> one of the other teachers I was working with, uh, she was like, "Do you know? Do you know Power Rangers? Like my son is really into Power Rangers." Her twenty-year-old son, by the way, so I didn't feel bad. Uh, she's like, "My son is really into Power Rangers," and I said, "Am I? Am I into Power Rangers? Let me tell you, <laughs> not only." Not only do I like the Power Rangers, I in fact have a podcast in which I talk about like the Japanese, and I just explained, uh, you know, the fine work that we do here on the Super
1: Sentai Brothers. Each and every week, bringing this, the, the, hot, the <laughs> hottest reporting week. to you.
0: <laughs> and um, uh, everybody got a big kick out of it, and I was like, check us out, Super Sentai Brothers, really funny. I think, I think, I hope. I, we try. We try to be really funny. Uh, and, like, nobody had to say. Nobody was just like, oh, yeah, of course you do that. But nobody was surprised either. right? You know, no one was just like, what? Date you?
1: Have a what? They, so when was this Crazy. meeting? What's when up? When was the meeting?
0: Oh, it was just after a school
1: day. But which day? I'm just asking because uh, I can go back and check the, uh, check the podcast download feeds to see if any of them were checking it out.
0: <laughs> well, it actually, it was last Tuesday. So if there's a sudden spike from from Cleveland, then you'll know okay. that, that it was uh, Well, that it was I'll, I'll me. do a
1: little reporting. I'll get back to you, Dave.
0: Yeah, check that one out. I, I will so, tell you, uh, that,
1: that same sound is two other things. The, like, oh. the Power Rangers wrist communicator like sound. Dee, dee, yeah, right. It, is, it, it, it it is two other things in my life. One, it is my text message sound. Okay. And two, uh, when you listen to the Ranger Danger podcast, the little sound that they play in between their first bit and the main chunk of their episode is oh, that yeah. same sound. And so every single time I'm listening to that show, when it goes from the opening bit to the bulk of the episode and that goes off, I think I'm getting a text message. I <laughs> kid you not, every single time I think this.
0: I have I have like a beautiful dream wherein I like set up like custom ringtones and like little, you know, like I customize my phone and my computer and stuff. And uh, I am 100% too lazy to do that. Uh, the only thing I ever did is when it was in college, I set the boot up tone on my computer to be Darth Vader saying, uh, what is thy bidding my master? Oh, and that's that. as far as it ever went for me.
1: No, th- yeah. honestly, the most I've ever done is this one, is my text <laughs> ringtone. <so> <laughs> uh, the only thing I've ever thought about doing other than that is setting my alarm, my, like my morning alarm tone Two, do you remember the sound from Legend of Zelda The Wind Waker? The music that played when you were out at sea and the sun rose? It was just oh, like this yeah. nice little bit that led dang, into like the Wind main Waker fanfare. Had,
0: like, this is off-topic, but Wind Waker had such good music. Dude, Wind Waker had great was, everything. But yes, dang, particularly
1: the music good. in that game was fantastic.
0: Uh, okay, so we're we're just, we were just off well off-topic. Off topic topic. But... Uh, But, so Matt, what is our, uh, what's our third star of the week, man? Okay, our
1: third star of the week is that earlier, so I was a little sick this week. I don't know if you can still hear it in my voice. There was a couple of days there. Ah, you sound great. There was a couple of days there where I, I, I I was, I had a cold, right? And then the cold Uh. basically went away. And then I had a cough, like a really, like, bad cough for a couple of days. Mm. And then at the end of that cough... My voice had dropped like an octave, just because like it had been ravaged by the cough for so long. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, honestly, I was a I was a little hoping that we would record the episode during that brief window, because <laughs> uh, it Sorry, just it got just even it was, closer like to my doctor claw voice. Um. Anyway, but like I was coughing so long and so hard that like by the end of the week, like my abs were sore. But the, the, I think the crowning achievement of this cough was like the last night that I really had it. As I was going to sleep, I had this coughing fit. And like, I spasmed so hard from the cough that came out of nowhere that I pulled a muscle in my leg. And I don't even know how. What? But like, the Wait. next day I was running to catch the bus. And I'm like, wow, like, that was, that is still doing a number on me. It is, I mean, I'm fine now, but. But, uh, Wait a minute!
0: How do you how do you pull a muscle in your leg? I, you know, I don't even, I mean, like, obviously, at, like, it can I happen.
1: Cough! Like I doubled over very quickly. Oh well, okay. I, I guess. <laughs> and honestly, like as I was coughing to the point that like my stomach hurt, I was like, you know, I could probably stand to do a couple more crunches. Like if this is the if this is the <laughs> limit of what my body can handle, like maybe I ought to beef up a bit.
0: <laughs> well, I'm sorry uh, that your body is trying to destroy
1: uh, itself. Yeah, dude, that's... Maybe? That is not even, like... Dude, when I was... When I had the cold, like, it was that sort of cold where you can't quite think straight. Oh, And, like, yeah. I was writing stuff down on my list of potential five stars while I was, like, in that zone... And I ended up with some weird stuff that I do not know how we were supposed to talk about. Like, one of the things I have written down on there is just the two words, a name, Benjamin Gazi, as though there is a guy named, like, I thought it would just be fun. Like, hi, my name is Benjamin Gazi, and I'm here with an important message about, like, Google alerts and how they can ruin your life. Like, that was supposed to be a thing that we were going to talk about when my brain was so screwed up from, like, cold slash cold medicine. Okay. I'm you guys, Dazzy. You'll uh, never find out my secrets.
0: <laughs> you guys did not hear it, but because uh, Mark just edited it out. But and actually I, he's telling the truth because we just had to pause for Matt to let out like a truly horrifying series of like hacky coughs. Uh but such is our dedication that we are uh we are still here. For you, and thank you, producer delivering... Mark, for taking
1: all of those out because literally no one, including me, ever wants to hear them again. <laughs> well, uh, you know,
0: hope uh, hope you feel better. So, Dave, I guess. Uh,
1: what is our fourth star of the week?
0: So, our fourth star of the week, Matt, is uh, I have finally, finally, I mentioned it before, uh, but I have finally completed my collection of netrunner cards i have i have caught them, you caught all. them
1: all you got all 150
0: i caught all 1000 i have no idea how many there are like a couple hundred uh, but i got them all which is great because now well okay it's sort of great because now i can kind of build whatever i want right? right like i don't have to be like oh dang i really wish that i had like extra wire z uh the only downside now is that if i lose I don't have as much of an excuse. <laughs> right. Right? So, like, before, <laughs> if I lost, it was like, oh, well, you know, like, if, I don't have all the cards. If only I had gotten Some kind last of, pack. like, a
1: disadvantage. What's if up? If only I had gotten that last pack.
0: If only. If only. I, I could have won. I could have won. But now that excuse is gone. Uh, just in time for the new cards to be coming out in February. So, it took me, I think, it like, over the course of a year... um I, I got all the cards, because I started playing last year, and now I, I have them all. Uh, I had to get a new binder, oh, really? which I know as a librarian is probably very exciting for you. Yeah, Dude, everybody, everybody I had a binder, a nice and it wasn't binder. large enough. Yeah, I had a binder. It was not large enough, so I had to go get a new binder. And uh, I went, and I like organized them all. It makes sense to me, Matt, that you are a librarian, or like work in the... Librarianic fields? Yeah, the librarianic
1: fields. That's what they're called.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, That you work in those fields. Because I like, like, I'm not a librarian, but I do very much like organizing things. Like, I really like putting stuff in alphabetical order. Like, I find it soothing, if that makes any sense. Oh, absolutely.
1: Dude, I used to, like, late nights when I couldn't sleep, uh, back when I was in grad school, I would just, like, stay up late nights and completely reorganize all of my bookshelves. Like, that was a thing that I would do to, like, soothe myself into being able to sleep.
0: (laughs) Yeah, because I was like, oh, man, there's new cards that are going to be coming out, but, you know, like, I don't want to, like, have to mess with my organization too much, and so I, like, left empty slots in each page so I can, like, expand, you know, without having to, like, reshuffle everything, everything. The best option probably would just be to have, like, a box that they were all in, but that's less existentially satisfying. I really like having... You
1: can't see all of them when you flip through it.
0: Yeah, I want... I've got... So I've got binders and it's great. So, yeah. So I've got all the Netrunner cards. It's not really like... I don't have jokes on that one. I'm just real jazzed about it.
1: Dude, it's exciting. It is exciting. Like, as Pokemon has taught us, it is exciting to catch them all.
0: Right. There's just, like, a sense of completion that uh, I uh, Dude, speaking of
1: Pokemon... Uh, I've got nothing on this except to remind you that I am, like, super hype for Pokemon Go whenever that's coming out. Speaking of li- I'm gonna get the little dongle. I'm gonna chase some Pikachus around the park. Dude, my life is gonna change for the better.
0: <laughs> uh, I just read actually that this year is
1: the 20th anniversary of Pokemon.
0: Like, yes, it, or came least, out and- it is at
1: least the 20th anniversary of the Japanese release.
0: Yeah, something like that. Although, I don't know, it could be the American release. I don't quite remember. But yeah, first of all, it's crazy Pokemon's been around for 20 years. Second of all, that means 1996 was 20 years ago. Uh, How's that for making you feel a little bit old?
1: So, uh, Uh, yeah, let's let's not face that truth, but instead, Dave, (laughs) move on into the fifth star.
0: So what, Matt, is our fifth star of the week?
1: Uh, FedStar is a sort of public service announcement. Um, so when you hear this on Tuesday, the what nineteenth, uh, um, you yeah, will be 19th. a few days away from Saturday the twenty third. And on Saturday the twenty third, Shout Factory TV, uh, the website—I I, I don't if this like ShoutFactory.tv—I should have written this down anyway. Probably. look it up; it's easy to find. Uh, they are going to be running a live streaming marathon of—I think it's seven episodes of Zou Ranger.
0: Oh that's awesome.
1: So if you uh have not picked up those DVDs and have never seen Zyu Ranger, uh you should totally watch it because Zyu Ranger is listen, I mean, you are listening to us talk about Jetman, you may have also listened to us talk about Die Ranger. Um you probably know by this point that the Sentai shows are completely bananas and Zyu Ranger is really no exception.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> no it is not.
1: Cuz Dave, I had you watch the first episode or two of Zhu Ranger once, right? Oh yeah, it's bonkers. And it's especially bonkers because it's like parts of it are so familiar from watching uh Power Rangers.
0: Right. That is the really strange bit.
1: It's just like looking at it through a funhouse mirror. It's totally great. <laughs> anyway, uh is that going to do it for the stars, Dave? I think that's it. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to watch episode 19, I Can See, and we'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. So, we have just finished watching episode 19 of Jetman. Guys, this one was great. Uh, Dave, oh, I'm sorry, it's called I Can See. Dave, why don't you give us a quick rundown and let's get into this one. Yeah, sure, okay.
0: So, first of all, straight up, this might be the coolest episode of Jetman that we've seen so far. Um, it's, ju- <laughs> it's just really rad. Uh, but what it is, is this episode, it's a Kauri-focused episode, and they are fighting Prediction Dimension, which is a sort of fortune tellery monster. And Although uh, I, I do Kauri... have a slight
1: beef with that description of it, but we'll get to that later in the episode.
0: Yeah, uh, and then Kauri overcomes her deep fear of death in order to save her friends.
1: Yeah, this is, okay, so we start off and four of the five jetmen are like walking around and shopping. Guy's not there.
0: Right, okay, I got two things. Like, just, okay, right as we get into this, so the very, very first thing we see, Matt, is a like weird, it's like a wall-hanging, like kinetic cat sculpture is the only way that I can describe it. Yeah. It's some sort of advertisement for, like a shop or something. But, for, okay, first of all, we never see what it's for. And we don't, like, the shop is irrelevant. The cat thing is irrelevant. And I, ch- like, what is with establishing shots in this show? Because they'll be, f- like, this happens all the time. I don't normally mention it. But, I, like, it's kind of reached a tipping point for me. Because they'll start with a shot. And they'll be, like, very definitely focused on a thing. And then they zoom out. And whatever it was they were focused on is completely irrelevant. It has no bearing on anything that's happening. And they're just like, oh, yeah, we just wanted to show
1: you this. And now we'll start. Honestly, my only theory on that is that, like, the guys who are shooting this show, like, they knew they were going to be at this, like, outdoor shopping plaza because they needed to have a place to, like, have an evil mask call out to the Jetman in just a second. Because, spoiler alert, that's what's about to happen. Uh, But then they got there, and they were looking around, and just thought, like, dude, look at this weird cat thing. (laughs) Like, that (laughs) is the only thought I can have, because otherwise, there's no reason for it. Okay. Unless it's, like, locally famous.
0: Let's... Man, I hope so. So, we get this opening shot of this cat thing, and then we zoom out, and, like you said, we see four of the five jet men, like, hanging out, having a good time. So... Like, I was bothered by that.
1: You were bothered that Guy wasn't there?
0: Right, I was bothered that Guy wasn't there. Because either they didn't invite him, in which case, really, Guy's? Or they invited him and Guy decided not to show up. Which, like, really, Guy?
1: I don't know, man. Guy had a rough couple of days. Maybe he just needs some Guy time.
0: (sighs) Okay, so everyone but Guy is hanging out, and they are walking by... Uh, and there's just a blank door, and there is a creepy mask in, like, you know, where there would be a door knocker. Like, Jacob Marley style, right?
1: Yeah, and like, the light, the eyes on the thing light up, and it says, like, hello, Jetman.
0: Right, like, why don't you come inside? The girls are very excited about
1: this. Because I think it also announces itself as a fortune teller.
0: Right. This, it's just so clearly a virus. Like just very obviously.
1: Oh my gosh! And like as soon as they get inside, it is even more obvious to the environment. But the fact that they, in their civilian guises, are called out by like what is clearly an evil mask, You're like "Hey, jetmen. Like right. And so- and none of them blink. They're like, oh, clearly this door knows that we're the Jetman.
0: Yeah, so they walk through the door and they walk down like a wrought iron
1: staircase into, the, into like, like a black box, black abyss. Right, I mean, it's just this a black box. Still, theater set. does not like set off their danger sense. Yeah, and there's a mist on the ground,
0: <laughs> and they're still like they're fine. And so then they see a fortune teller. And the fortune teller says something about like, "Oh, like welcome, Jetmen." And then Ako is surprised. I don't know why, because it, it just already called them the Jetmen. But this time, she's surprised.
1: Am I the only one who thought that the the fortune teller looked weirdly like Ako?
0: No, she does kind of. It might just be I, the like, haircut. I think it's it's gotta just be. Yeah, I mean, it's gotta just be coincidence. But she does kind of look like Ako, and so the. The fortune teller starts, you know, she just sort of starts saying stuff, and then Kaori does this thing that she does sometimes, and I love it every time. So Kaori is like this society, you know, she's like a society lady, you know, she's very wealthy, she's sort of like very prim and proper. And so when Kaori gets angry or upset, she doesn't like lash out, she just gets very polite, but very firm. Yeah. And, like, a little bit snooty. And it's the best. Uh, so the fortune teller just starts saying some stuff. And Kauri, like, straightens up. And she says, we're done here. And then she just turns to leave.
1: And then the... It's awesome. It, it is awesome. I do love it when she, like, gets into that zone. Um, the fortune teller calls after her. And is this where she says, like, I... I oh, by the way, the episode I title, I Can See that is a thing that the uh, the for- the prediction dimension will say throughout the episode. Like, she yeah. can see and this, this is yeah, Yeah, happening. this is where she starts it. And she says, she can see a doll crying.
0: Yeah. So, like, Akko is super nervous, and she says, wait, 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 I see a doll crying. Uh, and then Kaori, still again, just kind of very primly, is like, no, we're leaving, thank you. And then they just walk out. So, we leave there, and we see the mansion, Kauri kind of like walks in and uh, Gia is the name. She's got this butler. We've mentioned him before and we've never found out his name because it wasn't important before, I guess, despite the fact that he is like a semi-major character, that his name is Gia. And uh, he's talking about that like Kauri is going to the uh, the opera tonight. And Kauri's like, oh, yeah, like that's great. Blah, blah, blah.
1: And she's still a little rattled by this experience. And so he says, okay, yeah. you know, like, there's going to be opera in the dinner, and I'll drive you, and it'll be cool. Uh, she, and, s- and so she walks into the next room, and she sees a doll, and there is, like, water, like, on its face as though it has been crying.
0: Right. So she freaks, like, she starts kind of, like, not screaming, but, like, very obviously distressed. Gia, like, runs in... And is like, whoa, 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 like, what's going on? Like, then he sees it. He starts freaking out. And then he takes, like, a quick step back. And he notices that the water is not actually coming from the doll. It's just dripping onto the doll's face, like, near its eyes from the ceiling.
1: Yeah, there's, like, a leak in the ceiling. He's like, And he starts laughing. He's like, oh, it's just a leak. This is an old house. We'll get it fixed. Don't worry about it. But, like, Kauri is still not cool with this
0: yeah she's like no that doll was crying she's like I get that it was a leak but it said that the doll was gonna be crying and like that definitely happened and so Jaya
1: Gia, Gia Jaya I I'm not Jaya okay J-I-Y-A yeah so if we're, yeah, if we're Gia, pronouncing it sense. wrong I'm sorry but that is uh, that is how it's yeah. spelled and that's what we think it is
0: so uh, so Jaya says hey do you remember this doll that I gave you And it kind of flashes back, and we see Gia, and he is uh, like a younger man, and it's like little kid Kauri. She's maybe like six or seven, and he gives Kauri the doll, and he says, and then he hands her this
1: book, and it is the Kauri Constitution. And it is something that he has written up himself.
0: And it, yeah, and like, it is just... Like, rules of behavior, I think? So what, what, I, for... what I think he
1: says is, like, this, like, I've thought about this a lot. This is a book of promises that, like, we will make to each other. And from what I get from this scene, and I think it's been hinted at because, like, we've never seen Kauri's parents and Gia is always around. But I think that Gia is kind of like her Alfred. Like, it yeah. seems as though Kauri's parents died when she was pretty young and she was raised by Gia.
0: The only thing that makes me think that that's, because I think you're probably right, but the only thing that kind of contradicts that is that remember earlier, uh, she's got like some arranged marriage to some dude. Oh, yeah. And so for that, it sounded like as though it was set up, you know, kind of as she was, you know, it wouldn't have been set up when she was this age. Well, so I, I do
1: remember that them, them saying that it had been set up for a very long time.
0: So maybe her parents are, like, dead now, but even when they were alive, were, like, just kind of not around. And so Gia becomes her sort of surrogate father. Because that very much seems like the level of relationship that we're looking at here. Yeah, very much so. And so, like, the first article, I guess, of the Kauri Uh, Constitution is that the first... (sighs) It's Constitution. I feel like it ought to be an article, but it is, I guess, a rule. So, <laughs> so he says. So the first rule of the Cowrie Constitution is that they will always greet each other happily uh, with a the smile. Second, with a smile. Sorry. Uh, the second rule is
1: that they will brush their teeth after every meal. And then, like the, the flashback, sort of ends. But you right. are given to assume that there are many rules in the Cowrie Constitution.
0: Yeah, it's a pretty
1: thick. Book. And when it comes back, she's like, "Oh yes, I remember this doll." And she sort of summarizes the Cowrie Constitution by saying. I promised to be a good girl in exchange for getting this doll. Right. Which is true, but there was there was more to it than that. Like, you know, there was a document. <laughs> <laughs> she is
0: a signatory uh, to the Kauri Constitution. So the phone rings. Like, the flashback kind of ends, and the phone rings, and it's the fortune teller. Which is creepy. It's creepy and it's awesome. And she says, a car is coming for you. And, like... Then I think they I think Kauri hangs up, right? Yeah. And so she's obviously freaked out because like how does this fortune teller have her phone number? Aside from the fact that again, it is just just so obviously a virum, it hurts a little bit.
1: <laughs> and so, like, she goes to leave, and as we discussed previously, um, like Gia was going to drive Kauri to the opera. So he's waiting outside with a car, and she walks out, and she says, you know what, with I'm going to walk.
0: slick Benz, I want to point out. And not just a car. Like, it's a really cool oh, car. Oh, yeah. And so, yeah, but Kari says, you know what, ah, uh, because she sees the car, she remembers the prediction, and says, I'm just going to walk.
1: Right. So she's walking. Uh, and then we get this, like, point of view shot of this, like, little kid's, like, like a pedal car. Yeah, or. like a little pedal car. Like smaller than a Power Wheels, bigger than, uh, uh, what was the tricycle with the big wheel in front? I think it was just a big wheel. Dude. Okay, well, around that size.
0: <laughs> like, how could you forget? Anyways, so, sh-
1: <laughs> so... we got Power Wheels, we got big wheels, we got all sorts of wheels here. I,
0: I know, and I wouldn't be giving you like attitude about it, except you literally said, what was the tricycle with the big wheel in front?
1: It's a big one. Anyway, Dave, this, uh, is, uh, this is the Jetman with the Golden gun. This is not wheel talk. So uh, let's move on.
0: Um, so she walks out, like, she kind of, like, walks into a crosswalk little area, and this little kid is, like, you know, going fast, and he bumps into her. And she's like, oh, like, crap, that hurt. And then she's like, oh, are you okay, kid?
1: And then she sort of puts everything together. And she's like, what if this is what they were talking about? Which. I mean, listen. If a doll crying was the one thing that freaked you out, and it was just a leak, and a uh, like getting hit by a car freaked you out, and it was just like a little kid bumping into your leg, if those are the two things that have happened, then like the like the threat level of these predictions has just gone way down.
0: Yeah. However, well, okay. Well, we'll get we'll get into this later. But I'm I really actually it's a very cool narrative that's happening here. So. She uh, she kind of leaves, she keeps walking, and then she's in a sort of like shopping area, and we see a big sign, like uh, maybe for like an auto body shop or something, and the sign has a big car on it, and it falls and it almost hits her. Yeah. And she, again, kind of freaks out. She's like, oh, maybe that was it. And she kind of starts... You know, she kind of falls backwards and someone like runs over and is like, oh, are you okay? She says, yeah, 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 I'm fine. But she bumps as she's moving. She bumps a payphone off of its receiver and the voice of the fortune
1: teller comes through again. And it just says, like, I can see. And she starts like freaking out and running. And you know that she's running and scared because as she's running past these cars, uh, instead of just being regular cars, they are cars filmed at a Dutch angle. So, you know, it's spooky. Ooh.
0: Uh, <laughs> um which, yeah, I just want to say, like, I'm not faulting Cowrie for this. This is completely legitimate. Like, the creepy fortune teller is on the payphone somehow.
1: And so she's kind of freaking out. And so she sort of collapses, like, by the side of the road. And her cross changer starts ringing. And she answers it, thinking, obviously, that it's going to be either one of the jet men or somebody from Sky Camp, and it's Matt. It's the voice of the fortune teller again coming through oh her cross Oh my gosh, it's deck. right.
0: Yeah, they are really selling this. Uh, it's just, it's good television. So,
1: okay. We cut from I have said it before. Dimension.
0: Okay, wait, Matt. Let me hop in here for just a second. Sure, go ahead. So I know that I've already said a couple of times that this fortune teller is very obviously a Vyro, which she is, and like, how can Kauri not see it? But on the flip side of that I have to admire on some level the I guess like the grace with which the jetmen walk through their bizarre universe Th- they don't automatically assume that like anything that is like even slightly out of the ordinary now this is more than slightly out of the ordinary but that anything that's, like, slightly out of the ordinary is not automatically a virum.
1: That's true. It, it does show a certain degree of optimism.
0: Right. Like, if this were me, and, like, like if I were, like, walking down the street and a leaf blew in my face, I'd be like, what is this? Leaf dimension? Wind dimension? What's Autumn dimension? What's going on? <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, an icicle falls near you. Icicle dimension, I would just... I would be in a constant state of high alert. The Jetmen or not, maybe they should be. Maybe they
1: should be. Uh, it, it shows a certain but degree of not. optimism. Also shows a certain degree of, like, falling <laughs> down on the job. Just, like, professional slovenliness.
0: A little bit. A little bit. Little bit. Uh, so, anyways. So, Kauri uh, it totally loses it. Which, again, like, that's, you know... Nothing should be contacted on the cross-changer. So, we jump to, as you said, the Vyrum dimension... And we see Gray laying out a tarot deck. He's got a tarot deck, but he looks like he's just playing solitaire. Like, I don't, he doesn't look like he's, like, doing a fortune reading.
1: Well, maybe he's reading the fortune of whoever he was playing chess with a few episodes ago.
0: who knows? Uh, And there is a white swan card, and Maria picks it up.
1: Which, Dave, real quick, I mean, I I don't know much about the tarot, or if there is a separate sort of Japanese tarot. Do you know if there is a white swan card?
0: I don't know for sure, but I have played enough role-playing games and had, like, peripheral exposure. I'm fairly certain that white swans do not figure in the tarot. I could be wrong. Could be wrong. I'm not, like, a tarot
1: Guy, or it might be like a different thing that is in this deck represented by a white swan. I know that sort of thing happens a lot. So, anyways, and and the only reason I bring it up is because later we're going to see other tarot card stuff, and it definitely is like, like full on like tarot cards. Yeah. Uh,
0: So Maria picks it up, and Gray is laying down the cards, but like Tran is also there, and it's actually pretty interesting because it's not, at least to me, very clear whose monster this is. Like I think it's Maria's, but it it's not like very obvious. The only thing I know is that it's not
1: Radiguet's, right? I I by the end of the episode, I was fairly convinced that it was Maria's. But you're right; it is a little more ambiguous this episode.
0: Uh, okay, so we jump back. Like that's it's like that's a super quick
1: scene. Oh, and they're talking about how back. like you know they are causing all these things. They're causing. They're making Cowrie uh, believe these fortunes. And if they can get her to believe that she's going to die if she transforms into her Jetman form, then she won't transform and she'll sort of be taken off the board and they'll be able to pick off the other Jetmen more easily. Oh, yeah, that's That is their sort of plan here.
0: This is what I was going to mention before is it's how cool it is, is that they are setting up like these super low key predictions that are sort of explainable, but... They are doing a good job of convincing Kaori that the fortune teller is credible, right. which is about to come into play a little bit more.
1: Okay, so we cut back to the mansion where Gia is up on a ladder, sort of investigating the source of the leak, right? Yeah, which, why is he doing it? I don't know. I mean, he's, I, I guess he's just sort of in charge of the house in general. And also because he is the guy that we know in this episode, I guess is the only reason.
0: Well, yeah, no, that's the much better answer. It just makes, whatever. So he is up on a ladder and he's checking out this leak. And it turns out that there is a, it's like a pipe has burst.
1: Kind of. Right, because what's actually happened is that there is a tarot card, like, stuck in the pipe, causing the fissure, which is causing the leak.
0: Yeah, and so he like pops his head up into the ceiling panel and he kind of like sees it very quickly and then he double takes. But by the time he has done the double take, the card has disappeared. And then we see the card again and it's in the hands of the fortune teller and then and we're like in her shop and then Cowrie arrives. It was just a really, it was a cool scene transition.
1: Yeah, because the- So like, arrives. i arrives. I think we've- Failed to mention it. But at one or two times when the fortune teller has contacted her via, like, the cross change or the phone or whatever, like, the fortune teller is trying to get Kauri to come back to the shop to get a full reading.
0: That's right.
1: she's trying to, like, force her into it.
0: Which she has succeeded in doing, because Kauri shows up. So, Kauri arrives to hear her fortune. And so, the fortune teller does, like, the crystal ball swirly thing. And then Kauri is... She kind of closes her eyes, and when she opens them, she is in a sort of like misty vision. Like she is seeing herself doing some stuff, presumably in the future. Yeah, you know how tarot card so,
1: readings go. You, you yeah. close your eyes, and then you're in a misty vision of the future.
0: Right. Uh so she sees herself at the docks with the other jetmen and they are fighting grinnom soldiers. Okay,
1: real and quick, first, the actual location yeah. of this cuz they're going to mention it later and this is a location that we have seen in this show. I've seen it in Zyu Ranger, we've seen it in Die Ranger. It is a common filming location for uh Super Sentai. Uh, and they call it Bay Bridge. Okay. So that's where they are. It's got, like, a so, white metal railing and sort of, like, a platform with some big, like, broad steps that come down a hill towards it.
0: Okay, cool. No, I'm actually – I thought it looked kind of familiar, so I'm glad to know that that wasn't – that I was
1: right yeah, about it's that. it's one of those things that you're just – if you – once you keep an eye out for it, like, the, the quarries are a little tough because, obviously, like, all quarries and all industrial parks kind of look the same. But this yeah. spot – and there's another spot that's, like, an, audit, uh, like an outdoor amphitheater – that has oh, like this yeah. sort of like, like Kabuki boy from last season. Backsplash. I remember that.
0: You see that all uh-huh. the time. Right on. So Cowrie sees herself and the other fortune or other fortune tellers, the other Jetman at Bay Bridge. And at first, it looks like the fight is going well, like everything's cool. Uh, but Cowrie takes a, a, a stray shot to the face with like a grinnom soldier like cleaver sword thing and then it uses its like machine gun hand on her and she's kind of staggered and then Maria arrives and stabs Cowrie with her like sword energy whip thing
1: yes now a couple of things to note about this scene first Cowrie should know that this is not a true thing because the grinnom soldiers have never been this competent yeah ever um second a really cool thing happens when Cowrie gets stabbed The way they decide to show it is, I mean, you know, they just do like this, a side angle shot where Maria is clearly just like holding the sword next to her. But from that angle, you can't tell that it's not going through her.
0: Yeah, but it's still cool. But then what
1: they do is there's another shot that's like, it's all, the screen is all black and there's just like an explosion of white feathers coming from one side of it.
0: It is pretty And rad.
1: then you see a picture of that White Swan tarot card, and it has, like, a burning hole in the middle of it that's, like, burning out towards the outside of the card. It's a really, like, cool, stylized way to show that, like, Kauri has been stabbed to death. Well, yeah. I mean, like, Dream Kauri. Uh, yeah, Dream
0: Kauri. And then things get a, like, it's the same scene, but Kauri sees herself as the White Swan in a casket like the scene hasn't shifted they're still at bay bridge there's just a casket there now and it's white swan in a casket and then white swan kind of fades and it's kauri herself in the casket yes and then the dream ends and kauri has collapsed outside the fortune tellers
1: I don't know how she gets there. Yeah, that that, that uh, is uh, that is pretty pretty quickly glossed over how she is left, but she is outside, sort of <laughs> by the evil mask door, collapsed. A couple of people run up because they see her fall over, and then Gia finds her.
0: How again? Who knows? <sighs> anyway,
1: it's so he shows up for convenience reasons. Gia is there to take her
0: home, right? And so we see, we go back to the Vyrum dimension. It's like, and it's the Vyrum commanders with the exception of Radigat. And Maria, so it's probably Maria's monster. She explains in full detail. She says, we're going to freak her out so much about turning into a jet man that she won't be one. And then we'll have like, they'll we'll have broken the power of five. She doesn't say that, but I think that's what she means. So that the other four will then be vulnerable, like, and then we'll get them. Which, so far, is, like, a really good plan. It's working out very
1: and so well. then she says, like, okay, like, prediction dimension. Now is the time. And we cut back down to, like, the black misty void where the fortune teller is. And the fortune teller transforms from her otherwise human form into this, like, cool-looking, um... How, it's okay, a, how can we describe this Okay,
0: thing? it's an anthropomorphic table. Yes. With a crystal ball for a head and then there's like candelabras like sitting
1: on its back it's also holding it's a just crystal an, ball its kneecaps are dice
0: yeah no matt okay first of all it's not holding a crystal ball it's holding its own tail on the end of which is a crystal ah, ball thank you uh yeah so it's an anthropomorphic table with like spiky hands and a tail uh, it's uh, you know okay so that's what it is so we go from there to Kaori who is in a park, I guess, in like a kimono, doing a tea ceremony by herself.
1: I don't think she's uh, in a park. I think she's outside at her place.
0: Okay, that might be the case. And so she is, she's doing the tea ceremony, but like very forcefully, maybe? Like she's stirring the matcha powder into the water to like make the tea, but she's like real intense about it.
1: Yeah, I, so, I think she has just, like, found a, like, ritualized thing with which she is comfortable and is using that to distract herself.
0: Yeah, like, that's very... I think I think you nailed it. Uh, Guy arrives...
1: Which might be the first time we've seen Guy this episode.
0: Uh, well, we saw him in the vision. That's But true. aside from that, yeah. And so he arrives and he says, oh, I talked to the old man. And then the scene is is Cowrie has changed and they're on Guy's motorcycle and he takes her to Bay Bridge where they are attacked.
1: Right. Now, I, I don't think that he knows that she's just had a vision of dying at Bay Bridge. It's just a place with a nice view that he's probably just, just like, oh, like you are freaked out by something. Like, let's hang out. I'll take you out to like the scenic view and we can chill. Uh, but as soon as they get there, like Cowrie sees it, has a flashback to the vision and flips out.
0: Yeah, like just, yeah, like she just runs because they're they are attacked. Like yeah, the, the Grimm soldiers, soldiers are shot. there, and Cowrie just she loses it. Like she just she just books, uh, and sh- like that's it.
1: And she just goes home.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I don't so know how she gets
1: the... home because they took the motorcycle to get there. She's clearly too terrified to turn into, like, white swan to fly home. Uh, And I doubt that she... Oh, you know what? I was going to say I doubt she was going to steal Guy's motorcycle, but we have seen her steal motorcycles before.
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Maybe that's
1: what happens. It is sort of weird. She just leaves Guy to fight, steals his motorcycle, and drives home.
0: So he's here at the mansion, and her cross changer is just on like a side table, and it's Ryu. And we hear Ryu calling through the cross changer, be like, "Hey, uh, we could super use a hand. There is a battle going on." So Gia walks past. He hears it, and he walks into her room with like a tea set, and he says, "Hey, just uh, so you know." Your friends are in the middle of a fight and could really use your help.
1: And she is just, like, sitting down and crying.
0: Yeah, she can't handle it. She just says, I need to be left alone. Like, I can't I can't do this. Like, you gotta leave me alone.
1: Okay, so... We go back to the bridge. Yeah, we cut to the, the fight at Bay Bridge. And, like, this is just the beginning of this fight. This fight is gonna get awesome.
0: Yeah, it's super cool. Like, if you don't watch so, every
1: week, um... And listen, like I know it. that, like, some of these fights are repetitive, but this one is great. You should totally check it out.
0: So Prediction Dimension d- arrives at the fight, and it's the Jetman. And Prediction Dimension kind of says, like, oh, yeah, like, I did this whole thing. Kauri will not be coming. I have made her follow my predictions. Like, I got her. And the Jetmen are like, no, Kauri will absolutely arrive. But she doesn't. And And then Prediction Dimension pulls
1: off an awesome move. So, like... It zaps the ground, which causes this, like, sigil to appear.
0: Yeah, like an old-school magic circle...
1: Probably some sort of, like, fortune-telling thing. thing that I don't know what it is. But it looks cool. And, like, tendrils shoot out of it, wrap around the, uh, the Jetman, suck them towards, like, the middle of the thing, and then once they're stuck inside the circle the circle becomes like this cylinder around them in which they are trapped.
0: Yes, but the cylinder itself, like we see from the outside that it's just this like plastic, it looks like it's plastic, but I think it's supposed to be like energy or something of like shadowy shadowy film around them. But from the inside, it's like a mist-filled pocket dimension that, po- that prediction dimension has trapped them in.
1: Yes, and they have to fight off like, physical manifestations of tarot cards. So, like, Grim Reapers are coming at them and skeletons are coming at them. It's great. Yeah.
0: it's... Yeah, it's... It's so cool. Um, There's this little, so, like, cool
1: animation when the skeletons appear, Uh where, like... I don't know, how do you describe that? Like, it's... Honestly, like, it's sort uh, okay, of a cheap effect, like, but...
0: Like, yeah, like... It looks like a laser light show is happening, and like like outlines of skeletons kind of like appear and form on screen, and then they turn into real skeleton, well, people in skeleton costumes, and attack the jetman. It's Pratt. Yeah. So we we leave there. Did though, I mention that like the go,
1: five Grim Reapers like flying at him with their scythes?
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I forgot about that for a second. They're kind of flapping their capes, which looks a little dopey, but the idea is very cool. So we go back to the mansion, and Kauri hears over the cross changer her friends calling for help. And she, like, stands up very purposefully, and it's like, all right, cool. Kauri is going to, like, face her fear and go to save her friends. Uh, but then she does not do that. She just kind of collapses again. She's like, I can't do it. I, I'm scared.
1: Okay. So she goes... Then, to walk out of her room. And then the best thing happens. <laughs> okay. So she goes to walk out of her room and
0: she is there. Like, it's very obviously Gia. Oh, sure. In like a, uh, you know, kind of like a chilled out kimono and like a cool demon mask with like a wooden sword. And he just attacks her. Yeah,
1: it is amazing. So she has to, like, jump out of the way of his attack. And he just keeps coming at her. But as he is doing it, he is demanding that she recite the rules of the Kauri Constitution. <laughs> and so the first rule is, like, what is the first rule? She's like, uh, always greet each other with a smile. And, like, he swings the sword at her again. And she dodges. And, like, what is the second rule? And she, okay, wait, know, she answers the question. always now. brush her teeth. And then she dodges. And uh... Wait, wait, wait. It's even better
0: than that because what's what's happening is as she is kind of reciting the rules, she herself is not reciting them. She is flashing oh, back yes. to little kid Kauri, who is like reciting the rules into the camera like for her. So the Gia uh, demands the first rule and we flash back and we see little girl Kauri being like, oh, we screen each other with a smile. And then we... You know, yes. So the second rule is like, "Always brush your teeth after a meal," and then he
1: demands the ninth rule, and she cannot remember the ninth rule.
0: Yeah, but it's awesome because she does the flashback to the to little girl Kauri, and little girl Kauri, little girl Kauri doesn't look like she can't remember. But what she does look like is she is very disappointed in old Kaori for not remembering.
1: Yes, she's just like glaring at the camera waiting for (laughs) Kaori to remember this.
0: Right, so Kaori is being reprimanded by her own younger self, which is rad. Uh, We go back to see, we're kind of flashing back and forth here. Uh, So we're back in the pocket dimension. The other Jetmen are fighting off the, you know, the skeletons and Grim Reapers and stuff. We jump back to the garden, where it turns out Gia is actually like pretty decent at martial arts. Yeah, dude. Like for an old guy, that guy is like, you know, he's he's still got it together. Right. And so they kind of like go back and forth, uh, and he
1: keeps demanding the ninth rule. And eventually, like Calry rolls out of the way of an attack and remembers, and it. Flashes back to little kid Kauri and like she still has like that very serious face on from when she was like glaring at now Kauri and she says your own things and I think at this point it cuts back to current Kauri right And current Kauri finishes the the rule which is your own things you do for yourself which I'm not actually sure how that applies Well, it's because she's letting everyone else do the fighting while she hides. And, like, she's part of this. Ah, okay. So, like...
0: Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like,
1: she has been hiding away. And she's like, no, I have... Like, you know, you have to take care of your own responsibilities. And her responsibility is to go kick this monster in the face, dressed like a bird superhero.
0: Yeah. uh, Which she does. So we cut over to
1: Baybridge. no, Dave. You missed something real quick. uh, Because the end of this fight with Gia is that she picks up a stick... Knocks away his wooden sword, oh, that's hits him right. in the face, and the mask breaks perfectly in two. And he smiles and laughs.
0: Yeah, he's just like, "Ha ha ha!" Yes,
1: it's, dude, guys, this episode yeah, is right. wonderful.
0: So we cut back to Baybridge, Cowrie. Uh, we see her like leap from off camera, and and she is dressed in like full uh like a full samurai kimono like not with the armor but she's got like the samurai kimono and like a headband and her hair is like done up in a top knot and she's got Gia's wooden sword and she attacks the pocket dimension barrier thing
1: breaks it which is great because the other jetmen were just about to be killed by a giant uh death card just like oh yeah that's them. right Oh, I forgot about that because this is really cool.
0: Because uh, prediction dimension is kind of like throwing stuff into the shadow dimension that the Men are trapped in, and then it is manifesting there, which I thought was a neat yeah. touch. So she, so Cowrie, like uses her wooden sword and she shatters this pocket dimension, and then the they all kind of they cross-change, and Kaori gets to say the line. It's
1: great because prediction dimension is like, oh, but she'll never cross-change, because if you do, she'll die. And Kaori does not even respond to that. She just says, like, you know, Trojan Sentai Jetman, and they cross-change, and it's great. Yeah, it
0: was great. Uh, So, you know, like, they're fighting, and Kaori, I think, does get hit with the first shot that she had seen in her prediction, but then she, like kind of shakes her head and recovers, and then it reattacks. Yeah, because she, so, she is
1: going after... Um, She punches through a bunch of Granum soldiers with her gauntlet. Yeah, But then she goes straight after Prediction Dimension. She's going at them with a the sword, but of course it teleports around because that's what all the monsters do. Uh, and then a really yeah. cool moment happens where, like, the prediction dimension disappears but it doesn't reappear like it had been when it was teleporting around instead what appears are two like person sized tarot cards one of which is death and the other is the hanged man and like those two cards start moving towards her and menacing her it's great
0: yeah so well they menace her and then they blast her and she jumps back and then the cards themselves like rush forward and then it transforms back into prediction dimension who is holding the cards and then she throws the cards like gambit style at kauri but kauri like dodges and then kauri unleashes what is called her Swanee attack which as far as i can tell is just her using her winged gauntlet yes
1: but she says something first and there's like a picture of the swan behind her so it's special
0: i guess uh and then they use the jet striker and then prediction dimension gets like blasted with a phoenix fireball and dies Yeah, and it
1: does not get big
0: yeah well i thought it was kind of cool like it just ashes and kauri's like i will decide my own future and it was cool that's it
1: yeah, it's totally great. Uh, we get a quick cut to the Jet Dimension, where Maria is really upset that uh, her plan has failed. Virum Dimension. What did I say? Jet Dimension. Jet Dimension. Wow. <laughs> that would be a fun place. Oh, no, wait. Jet Dimension was the monster from the yeah, first Jet episode. Yeah, Jet Dimension is
0: terrible. Yeah, he was a bad guy. Uh, but we, And then we see Radigat, who is kind of like off in like his own little zone, and he is watching all this happen. And he's like, ha, I knew it. I will be the one to destroy the Jetmen. And he turns back and he says, grow my Semimaru, which is like, if you don't recall from last episode, the little Pokemon looking caterpillar thing, which is also apparently like the universe's greatest engine of destruction. Yes,
1: and then it grows like a little bit. So
0: we cut from there to Kaori's mansion. And everybody, the other four jetmen walk in and they're all dressed up. And I guess Kauri has invited everyone over for dinner or
1: something. Or some sort of, like, fancy thing. Because, like, when Kauri walks down the stairs, she is wearing, like, this really lovely dress. All the guys are wearing black suits. Um, the... What is... Akko is wearing some kind of nice thing. Yeah, she's dressed up. So this is great. So... <laughs> <laughs> see,
0: we, this, you know, everybody enters the scene and then Akko says like, hey, Kauri, according to uh, your horoscope, I guess is what she means, your future husband will be a playboy who looks great in black. We shoot over to Guy who kind of like looks a little uncomfortable and loosens his collar. Uh, you know,
1: clearly like, oh, oh, you know, maybe it's me. Right, you know, and then Because he's currently wearing black and is also the black condor.
0: Right, and then so I actually forgot about the Black Condor connection. Uh, and then Wright is the Black is Condor like, connection <laughs> is like my favorite
1: jean Claude Van Damme movie.
0: Ah, uh, <laughs> what?
1: I don't know. It just sounds like something that would be a John Claude Van Damme movie. The Black Condor but, yeah. connection. I mean, uh, come on. So,
0: so Wright says, "Well, hey, I look pretty good in this black suit." Desperate laugh. And then,
1: like, uh, and then, they all laugh, and uh, Kaori says, like, oh, which well, seems I'll, uncool. I'll be choosing my own fate.
0: Right. And then, I don't know if you caught, did Did you catch the interaction between Guy and Raito oh, here, dude, Matt? this is
1: great. So, Raito walks forward and, like, takes Kaori's arm, and, like, they're walking together up the stairs. And as they're almost out of the shot, like, Guy comes from behind... And has this, like, exasperated and a little annoyed look on his face. Just grabs Raita and yanks him away. And kind of, like, shoves him down the stairs a little bit. And, like, takes and, Kaori's and then literally, arm. literally, right, literally walks over Raita <laughs> to take
0: Kaori's arm. And then Raita looks up like, hey, guys. And then that's the
1: end of there, the episode. There's one little bit right before it ends, though. Because as they're going oh. up the stairs, Akko... Because they're in, like, Kaori's house that's full of, like, super nice stuff. Akko almost starts to, like, wander away because she's just, like, hypnotized by her chandeliers or whatever. And Ryu has to physically grab her to pull her up the stairs. (laughs) It's, like, the last five seconds of this show have this really great, like, physical acting from all the characters to, like, show who they are. It was really, like, so many of these episodes just kind of end... But this one had a really great, like, stinger on the end. It was really nice.
0: Uh, so that's it for this episode, Matt. Uh, what is
1: your high point of the episode? Ooh, man, that is tough. The only thing that I have written in my notes in all exclamation points, or all exclamation points, all capitals with an exclamation point, is when Samurai Cowrie attacked uh, Prediction Dimension.
0: Dude, that was awesome. (laughs) That was so
1: cool. But honestly, a lot of things could have been my high point in this episode. This was a really good one. What about you?
0: It was... Uh, my eye point of this episode was the whole sequence of it's like that five minute sequence where Kaori is walking a, like to the opera, I guess, and she gets hit by the car, and then there's the sign, and then the phone is the fortune teller, and then a cross changer is the fortune teller. I just thought like it was cool, it was dramatic, it was great narrative, it was just like it was just really well done. Yeah. I dug it a lot.
1: So what was your uh, what was your low point then?
0: I think my low point, man, I don't even
1: know if I have one. this episode was so okay, good. I do have a low point in uh, this episode, and I'll tell you what it is i sure my low point is that the prediction dimension like looked like like crystal balls and stuff, but it didn't actually do any predictions, like all of its stuff, like the like the leaky pipe and all that that was all engineered by the prediction dimension like. Okay. So, like, it, there was—I guess that's it. Like, when I was saying in the earlier or in the earlier bit of the episode that I had kind of a beef with it being called prediction dimension, like, okay, it just isn't. It's like a—it's <laughs> it, a faux prediction dimension. It's like manipulation dimension. Yeah. Anyway, I, like, yeah. it all worked. I mean, I really liked how it worked within the episode. But I just have, like, a little bit of a beef with it being called Prediction Dimension. When it does zero Yeah, I predicting.
0: mean, right. Well, you know, it's Nick and me, But seriously, uh, it was a rad, rad
1: yeah. episode. And I think with that, that is going to do it for another episode of The Jetman with the Golden Gun. Uh, That's before it. Before we finish up here, I'd like to remind you all, you can email the show at super SentaiBrothers at gmail.com. If you want any updates on future episodes or check out what we're talking about on Twitter, we're at super bros. If you like this show, and I hope you do, please remember, shining in the iTunes review section, there are five stars. Please rate, review, subscribe on iTunes. That's what's going to help new people find the show. Uh, the Super Sentai Brothers are a production of Retrograde Orbit Radio. Once again, we are the Super Sentai Brothers. I'm Matt. I'm Dave. We'll see you next week. Yeah!